0: To a Rebel media podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. The Trudeau Liberals are proposing a new whiz-bang idea in this day and age of fake news. Namely, they want to monitor social media sites in order to determine which content is acceptable for Canadians. Um, feeling nervous yet? Ezra Levent will have all the lurid details. And guess what? The CBC has come up with a brand new way to squander taxpayer dollars. Namely, they're looking to hire someone to implement the corporation's diversity and inclusion plan. Oh, sounds like great TV. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the nitty gritty. And we all know Alec Baldwin is a blowhard, but who knew he was so thin-skinned as well? because apparently Baldwin is fearing for his personal safety after President Trump criticized Saturday Night Live. Wow, Ben Davies has all the unbelievable details. And finally, we get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of the letters we received regarding my commentary about a Toronto woman who threw a chair off a high-rise condo onto a busy expressway, but instead of cowering in shame, she is embracing the infamy looks like andy warhol was right after all those are your rebels now let's round
1: them up so back to the story today testifying before the procedure and house affairs committee tuesday gould suggested the committee take a closer look at the role of social media in elections I would encourage this committee to do a study of the role of social media in democracy. If that's something you think is interesting, she said, to hold the social media companies to account. Whoa, okay, stop right there. You know, one of the things we always say about the media, about journalism, about the free press, about freedom of speech, we say... That holds government to account. Reporters hold governments to account. Free press, free media holds governments to account. Holds all power to account. And I think it's largely true. I mean, sure, the official opposition in government holds the government to account, but official opposition doesn't talk about everything. They only talk about the things that suit them and their own agenda. They don't have all the resources. They don't have all the knowledge. They don't have all the news tips. There are journalists everywhere on the whole spectrum from left to right with different points of view. We all have the right as citizen journalists, really, to question our government for ourselves. I love it. But, but look how she inverted it. The government now proposes to hold media companies to account. It's not media holding Trudeau to account. Trudeau will hold the media to account. The government would hold the media to account. That's not how it works in a free country. Imagine if Stephen Harper had said that. Imagine if Donald Trump had said that. But that is precisely what Trudeau's cabinet minister just said about the media and elections. And you can hear a pin drop. No protests, no front page stories, no national news, especially not from the CBC. They they sort of like this story because they're positively owned by Justin Trudeau and the federal government. They're, They're run as a Trudeau message repeater right now. They're already fully tamed. Why would they object to their private sector competitors just being regulated just like they are? So the Justin Trudeau Liberals think it's a jolly
0: good idea that they should be regulating social media. I mean, surely elected officials and government bureaucrats can be fully entrusted to decide what is and is not fake news or fair news or suitable for our consumption news. However, as much as I hate to be a nitpicker here, a certain Latin phrase comes to mind, qui custodiet ipsos custodes, in other words, who watches the Watchmen? And with more on this astonishing Orwellian story is our very own Rebel Commander, Ezra Levant. Welcome to
1: Rebel Roundup, I'm Ezra. I'm
0: impressed with your Latin. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> one I know. It,
1: I flatten out after that <laughs> phrase, <laughs> Ezra. You know what? Uh, I know what that means. Who's watching the Watchmen? And that's exactly right. Uh, Karina Gould, who was one of Trudeau's cabinet ministers, was before committee the other day. And uh, she said, we need the government to hold the media to account. She said that. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not joking.
0: Not the other way around, yeah. which is where it should be.
1: And she says it's particularly urgent that we do that during a campaign because who knows what bad thoughts might be thunk <laughs> if we let that happen. <laughs> um, uh, about a month ago, she and the defense minister, Harjeet Sajjan, had a press conference to talk about media um, training for Canadians, and one of the things, I'm not even making this up, it's in their government backgrounder, is they're gonna spend seven million bucks on media training for Canadians, including having, I'm not even making this up, I know you're thinking I'm joking, I'm not, something called government awareness sessions about the proper way to read editorials. I, I know you're thinking, <laughs> you're lying, you're making that up, it's awareness sessions, and one of the things that will be at these government awareness sessions is how the proper way to read an editorial, and- No, who, Ezra,
0: what I'm thinking is, I wasted three years of my life and thousands of dollars in tuition going to the Ryerson School of Journalism back in the day. When you
1: could've just asked Trudeau <laughs> the way it's done. I mean, it, see, it wasn't enough for, Trudeau to give a huge raise to the CBC, to take <laughs> it up to 1.5 billion a year. Wasn't enough for him to offer $595 million in bailouts to the private media, because there's still some people who won't take it like us. so uh, And of course, so much of the political conversation these days is not through formal journalists, it's by people just talking, reading. Everyone's a publisher, everyone's a journalist. Anyone with a Facebook account, guess what? You're a publisher. Yep. Anyone with a cell phone camera, guess what? You're a reporter. Yep. And so it's not enough that they buy off the CBC. How many people actually watch the CBC anyways? Mm. It's not enough that they buy off CTV, Global, Global Mail. They have to stop uh, other people. And that's what um, this is about. They're in the name of, well, we've got to be careful of all those Russian trolls. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not a real problem here. But using that as the excuse to regulate Facebook and Twitter of Canadian users. It's, it's so gross, and even just today, the head of the Privy Council, Privy Council clerk said, I'm deeply worried about Russian interference in our country. No, you're not, you liar. You're using that as a pretext to, uh, because you're worried about Canadian interference in your plans, and, and this is not the first time this has been done. Uh, of course, China has massive social media censorship, And even Europe has much worse social media censorship than we do, Germany in particular. Germany has a private contract with Microsoft, Facebook, Google, YouTube, and Twitter. It's a private contract um, that they will do the government censoring for the government. And in fact, they have to take things off the internet in a certain number of hours upon demand. There's no hearings. There's no trials. And France, in the last uh, national elections there, Mark Zuckerberg, who's who's so trustworthy, David. I mean, do we even really need to doubt <laughs> anything he's doing? He knocked off 30,000 different pro-Marine Le Pen pages. He said, oh, they're fake. Really? How do, how do we know they were? How do you know they were fake? Did you check all 30,000 of them? Or did you just say, oh, Marine Le Pen, uh, let's just get rid of her because that's what Emmanuel Macron wants us to do. So there are other countries that have provided a template for this censorship. China, Germany, France. And I should remind you that a year ago... The Toronto Star wall places had a scoop that I didn't see picked up anywhere else. That Justin Trudeau personally threatened Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, that if they didn't start censoring his critics, he would force them to through regulation. I guess that's what he's doing. You know, Ezra, and that brings me to the question, what do you think is most disturbing? The
0: fact that Justin Trudeau and his minions have this view about a future ministry of media affairs, or whatever it'll be called, or the fact that so many mainstream media outlets are absolutely silent
1: on this incredibly profound issue in which they have skin in the game. Yeah, not only are they silent, but in fact, Andrew Scheer is silent. His critic, Stephanie Cusey, wants the government to be tougher on foreign meddlers. Well, sure, I want them to be tough on foreign meddlers too, but that's not what we're talking about with media awareness sessions run by the government and censorship of grandma's Facebook account. Uh, She's not a Russian. And I checked the websites of the Canadian Association of Journalists, CAJ, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, the Canadian Journalists for Free Expression. All these groups, as you can tell by their names, hold themselves out to be civil libertarians. Not one of them has had a word to say against this new social media censorship. I can guarantee you that if the prime minister's name was Stephen Harper, and if he were saying, I want to have awareness sessions for the right way to read editorials and we don't want any meddling. I can assure you there would be a five alarm fire at each of these organizations, but when it's Justin Trudeau, well, they know the Civil Liberties Association's the Journalists for Free Expression it's Association of Journalists, they know that he's only gonna go after the wrong sort of people like you and me, Dave.
0: Yeah, and you know, you raise a great point, and that is the double standard. As you said in your commentary, if Stephen Harper had suggested this, in the South, if Donald Trump had suggested (laughs) it.
1: He just says uh, fake news. Like he calls CNN fake news, he loves doing that. And that. oh my God, the First Amendment's (laughs) under attack. We're we're one step away from fascism because he's using his First Amendment to talk back at CNN, that's how it's supposed to work. They're all in a tw- in a flutter because he's mean to journalists by calling them fake. Um, that There are five alarm fires over that, and here we have Justin Trudeau who's saying, you know what, we're going to censor social media because some people have the wrong, uh, they're misunderstanding the news. And that's the thing is, <clears throat> one man's fake news is the other man's truth, and vice versa. And that's the reason we have more than one newspaper, it's the reason we have more than one political party. because. You may know in your heart that you're right, and I may know in my heart that I'm right, and we have different opinions. So everyone has their own choice, and we settle it in a democracy. Justin Trudeau doesn't believe in that. He believes that, in fact, if you listen to Karina Gould's bizarre comments in Parliament the other day, she says that there are negative impacts that come from having the wrong point of view and being misled. Well, the liberals have been saying for the last two weeks, for example, that this whole Jody Wilson-Raybould story is fake news. They've been saying that, I don't think they use the words fake news, but they've been implying that in other words. Um, A lot of people think it's true, but if Justin Trudeau were to have his way, he would say, well, you can't report that because that's fake news and we needed an awareness session so you don't believe anything like we would ever be corrupt. So that's the danger of the government getting into the fake news business is that um, it's not their role And by the way, we have the right to believe whatever the hell we want. And we have the right to throw him out of office for any reason or no reason, a good reason or a bad reason. He was elected for a lot of dumb reasons. Uh, We don't have to throw him out based on reasons that he approves.
0: Mm. Ezra, one quick exit question. Uh, Assuming this government does indeed receive another mandate ten months from now, uh, or eight months from now, I should say, what are the What is the likelihood of this actually becoming a reality, much as it has become a reality in those countries you mentioned, China, mm-hmm. France, and Germany?
1: Well, obviously, we're not going to be as far down the road as China. Uh, but the reason I mention China is to let you know that all these tech companies have been practicing in China, especially Google. Uh, some of the other companies are not allowed in China, like Twitter does not operate in China. But Google is knee-deep in China. And it is helping, like the Chinese government and even Chinese industry does not on its own have the technology to oppress all its people through high tech, they need Silicon Valley to help. Mm-hmm. So Silicon Valley, um, seeing dollar signs in their eyes because it's the largest consumer market in the world, 1.2 or 3 billion people. So they're willing to bite their teeth, uh, grit their teeth. And um, I don't think it's very hard for them. They, they, they fit right in pretty quick. Um, and, and, and so China, is the testing ground. France and Germany is more uh, the prototype or the trial run for how it'll be here. And you know what, in the UK, it's so amazing. I follow, uh, because I'm interested in the UK, we opened an office there, I still talk to Tommy Robinson. In fact, I'm going there um, this weekend. Out of curiosity, I follow about five uh, U.K. police forces on Twitter. I know that sounds strange. I don't even f- follow five <laughs> They Canadians. might be following you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure they are. I don't even follow five Canadian police forces because okay. Canadian police news is sort of boring. Okay. I mean, I, but the U.K. police forces, the reason I follow them on Twitter is because they're crazy. Yeah. Because they get into Twitter fights and they threaten to, they threaten to arrest people for saying things on Twitter. That's probably a good- And they do arrest people. Oh yeah, and they send send police to your house if you tell a joke about transgenderism, or even if you laugh, or even if you like someone else's, they literally dispatch a human officer to your house. Like there are, there's this thing in the UK now of acid attacks. It's so bizarre to me. People apparently carry burning acid with them and drive by and splash other people. It's, it's an epidemic, it happens every day. Stabbings happen every hour in London. And of course there's the rape gangs, but the police have put all those less important things aside. I swear to God, they will send someone to your house if you make a mean joke on Twitter, or even if you laugh at someone else's joke. I, I see today, we have a friend uh, there named uh, Mark Meakin, otherwise known as Count Dankula. He's a yes. funny guy, he's a curious character. He made a joke on, on YouTube. I mean, you can say it was a funny joke or an unfunny joke, but it was obviously a joke. And he was prosecuted um, in a criminal court, convicted he now has a criminal record. And they say that he has to pay an 800 pound fine for telling that joke, or presumably he, would, he could be in prison. I don't know. Unbelievable. Um, so that's how bad it is. And why do we think we're immune to what's happening to the UK? Why do we think we're any different?
0: And in the meantime, 23,000 jihadis walking the streets yeah. of uh, the UK uh, without ankle bracelets. And folks, uh, more than ever, Rebel Media is your alternative. Uh, and just imagine if those kind of measures that Ezra is warning about get enacted here. We're not for sale. We can't be bought. And You can always come to us for the truth. Keep it here. More Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
2: Look at this. CBC is looking to hire someone to support the corporation in the implementation of its 2018 to 21 diversity and inclusion plan, and more specifically, its vision to be the media leader in drawing on the wealth of unique Canadian perspectives to shape our content, workplace, and workforce. CBC and Radio Canada wishes to increase its employees' awareness and cultural competencies. The objective of this request is to select one or more providers for CBC and CBC Radio Canada's diversity and inclusion program, more specifically as it relates to unconscious bias and cultural competency trainings. The program can be delivered in person and or online And the corporation welcomes innovative and cutting-edge solutions. The corporation cultural competency training focus is on Indigenous peoples and persons with disabilities and other areas of interest, including visible minorities and the LGBTQ plus community. I don't know about you but I haven't cracked open the CBC website recently and thought to myself, boy, oh boy, they're really treating sexual minorities unfairly over there. But yet, here they are at the CBC trying to find someone, anyone, to brainwash themselves.
0: Wow, way to go, CBC. That's what Canadians are clamoring for these days. More diversity, less cultural bias. Hey, how about this for a hiring concept? Select people regardless of race, sex, religion, etc. And base your hiring decisions on, oh, I don't know, talent, merit. And how about reporting the news minus the ever prevalent left wing bias? Yeah, I know. I'm spewing crazy talk here. And with more on this story of your tax dollars hard at work yet again, is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila gunn Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend
2: hey david thanks for having me on
0: it is always a pleasure but sheila i have to say i was deeply offended that the cbc is using such an antiquated descriptor for the gay community by merely referring to it as the lgbt2q community because we know from the elementary teachers federation of ontario that we're supposed to refer to this sector with that 15 letter identifier namely L-G-G-B-D-T-T-T-I-Q-Q-A-A-P-P. So, Sheila, why can't the CBC
2: even practice what they preach? (laughs) This is why they need the diversity coaches. (laughs) This is why they're having that program. I mean, it speaks for itself that they can't get this stuff right, that they forgot half the alphabet in their acronym. Um, But I just thought it was so funny that this news agency who literally obsesses about these issues. I mean, I went in I mean, I went to CBC Kids and I just plugged in LGBTQ into the search engine and I got sick of the results that I was getting because it's all they focus on. It it really is especially to kids. Um but I, this idea that CBC needs to be more culturally sensitive to indigenous people and minorities they literally have an Indigenous bureau. Like an entire bureau devoted strictly to Indigenous issues. So uh, how much more sensitive do they need to get, I guess, is what I'm asking, and how much is it going to cost us?
0: Well, you know, I, I think you nailed it in your commentary, Sheila, when you talk about the definition of being redundant. Because I would bet you if you and I went down to Front Street to CBC headquarters in Toronto and walked in there, I bet you would see diversity galore. I don't think that this is some bastion of uh, white male heterosexuals. I think all these diversity targets have probably already uh, been met by their own compulsion to be diverse in the first place.
2: Well, and, you know, i got an interesting story. I was talking to um, Hayley Weil. She was one of the organizers for the um, convoy to Ottawa, the United We Roll convoy. And she was telling me this story about how when they first got to Parliament Hill, she got an interview request from somebody from CBC. And the person from CBC, one of the first questions they asked her was, how many truckers of color do you have with you? And Haley, I think Haley, Haley's not a rude lady, but she just thought it was ridiculous. And she was exasperated. And I said to Haley, it doesn't matter what the answer was. You didn't, you didn't have a right answer to that anyway, because if you said, Oh, you know what? There was 75 truckers of color, Um, And only two white truckers Then they would say Well then how many LGBTQ truckers did you have And how many trans truckers did you have And how many disabled truckers did you have because they see everything through a gender quota lens and a color lens, and we're just like, can you do the job? Okay, get on the road, buddy.
0: You know, Sheila, it's a good thing they didn't ask me that question. I would have been a smartass and said, well, let's see now, we have four green trucks, we have seven blue trucks, uh, and so on and so forth. But, you know, um, as part of this hiring diversity that the CBC is seemingly obsessed over, uh, Sheila, what about this? How about hiring, oh, I don't know, some conservative uh, people, some right of center people, Or does CBC draw the line at diversity when it comes to diversity of thought and opinion?
2: Yeah, I mean, that for so many on the left, that's exactly what diversity is. It's just the diversity that you can see with your eyeballs and not experience with your ears. Um, yeah, I mean, CBC, everybody knows, even far left-wing polling shows that CBC has an inherent bias against conservatives. And when you look at their partisan bias, it's actually partisan in favor of the liberals. And at least that's the perception of people across the entire political spectrum. So that's the liberals and angry conservatives like me, according to the CBC. Um, But they don't work on that. They're not working on, hey, half the country is, for better or for worse, not a liberal. Um, Maybe we could tailor our viewing so that we're not annoying them uh, with their own tax money all the time. But that's not what they're worried about. They're worried about ticking the right boxes in the offices.
0: And, you know, when it comes to ticking those boxes, when we get down to the nitty-gritty of this, I mean, Sheila, at the beginning of your commentary, you read out the uh, directives, <laughs> which was giving me a headache. It was like yeah. a, a, um, a, a a horrific masterpiece of bureaucraties uh, to the point that it didn't even resemble English anymore. But in tangible terms, when it comes to you know, meeting all these diversity inclusion uh, uh, targets, Do they? does somebody actually sit down with a checklist and go, let's see, we only have um, one person of colour of native descent in a wheelchair. We could use a couple more of those. I mean, like, I'm not trying to make light of anyone's condition or who they are, but is this what it's all about? Actually, you know, tangibly defining Uh, this diversity and making sure they go and hire these people for that diversity as opposed to, as I said earlier, uh, merit or talent.
2: You're asking the wrong lady here, because I am (laughs) not a gender studies graduate. And I think these are, I always wonder, like, what did gender studies graduates do when they graduate? Like, what's the real world use for that? It's this, it's government nonsense. It's, uh, you know what, let's be real here. If you are Holding expensive meetings because you think you have some undisclosed, unrecognized personal bias against minorities, you're probably not biased against minorities. If you're losing sleep over this, you're probably not biased against these people.
0: And and Sheila, one last question. You alluded to it in your answer there. When it comes to the bottom line, we don't know, as you said in your commentary, how much this costs, but i've got this really queasy feeling in my tummy that we're talking maybe high six figures because they know how to you know live high on the hog down there what do you think the bill is going to be for a redundant exercise to begin with
2: i'm going to keep looking this was on the open tenders website so we're going to see a lot of sjw companies making bids to work for the government to brainwash them with our money um but I suspect $500,000. Yeah, I I bet that's what this comes in at because it's supposed to be multiple teachings um, and multiple different delivery methods so that they can access their brainwashing remotely. So I bet you half a million bucks.
0: Unbelievable. Well, Sheila, we'll have to wrap it there. And the worst thing about that is, A, we have absolutely no say in this as yep. a regular uh, Joe and Jane Canadian, and B, it's our money that they're using. Mm-hmm. This is a disgrace, and it's all for virtue signaling, and at the end of the day, it's going to be nothing. So thank you again for another superb commentary there, Sheila.
2: Thanks, David. Have a great weekend.
0: Okay, and that was Sheila gunn Reid in Alberta, and keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come after this.
3: Baldwin returned for another tiresome mockery of President Trump on SNL. This was followed by President Trump's predictable Twitter criticism. But this time, Baldwin's life may be on the line. Saying that Trump's latest attack on Saturday Night Live is, quote, a threat to my safety. Now, attacks are something that Baldwin should be pretty familiar with. You know, after he was arrested for actual assault and charged with assault in New York over the winter. So what was perceived as so threatening and malicious directed directly at this Hollywood elite? Trump said, quote, there's nothing funny about tired Saturday Night Live on fake News NBC. Question is, how do networks get away with these total Republican hit jobs without retribution? Likewise, for so many other shows, very unfair and should be looked into. This is the real collusion. He followed up by saying, The red, corrupt media is the enemy of the people. Now, you may ask yourself, wait. First, how would someone's ego be so inflated they would feel like the representative and focal point of an ensemble TV show like SNL, the face of entire TV networks, and also be the prime example of media as a whole, so much so that Trump would, as Baldwin put it, that he would be exhorting his followers to be a literal threat to him and his family. You know, because criticizing a show, the network, and media as a whole must obviously be a critique towards you, Alec Baldwin. (laughs) This is because the left not only believes that it's morally superior, but must also look for hate anywhere as dog whistles and read between the lines to find it. I mean, really, the left seems so desperate to find hate and come off looking as if brave or as a victim that they might even stage hoaxes of hate crimes to fulfill this fantasy. But I mean, that's crazy. That would never happen, right? I mean, no rational person or celebrity would use the empathy of the
0: public to slander other people or their beliefs solely to prop themselves up, would they? Okay, so let's try to connect the dots here, folks. The president tweets out criticism about a TV program and a member of that TV program, Alec Baldwin, interprets that criticism to be a call to violence, a threat to his personal safety somehow. What? But yeah, apparently somebody saying that they don't like something on air is akin to a hate crime, at least according to those on the loony left. Joining me now with more on this really bizarre story is our Tinseltown rebel, Ben Davies. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Ben. Thanks for having me. You know, it is weird. Just another day in LA, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it sure is. Uh, You get all kinds there, I'm sure, Ben. But here's what I don't get. Um, The First Amendment in your country, of course, allows Alec Baldwin to mock the president. And that's a good thing if you're a free speech advocate. But the First Amendment, ban also allows the president, or anyone else for that matter, to say, hey, Alec, you know something? Your shtick sucks. So how is Baldwin interpreting such criticism to be a call for violence in the first place? Well,
3: what it is is extraordinary mental gymnastics and an ego that couldn't fit in this room because President Trump didn't even criticize Alec Baldwin directly. He said, Saturday Night Live, NBC, and the networks have been putting out trash, why doesn't anyone look into this basically? And of course, Alec Baldwin, so if he's talking about the entire network, the entire show, he must certainly be talking about me. And that is the only way he got to that point, feeling like the president was making a threat on his life.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, for someone with such a ginormous ego, as you say, he seems so fragile that something like this, and I mean, let's be frank, uh, Ben, I often see members uh, on the left especially out of hollywood saying something along the lines of uh, hey if you don't like what you're hearing uh, punch a thug punch a nazi they actually sure. outright you know do a call to arms to enact physical violence but there was nothing nothing in president trump's tweets that was even remotely suggesting anyone should physically harm mr baldwin
3: I know. Are you implying that there may be a double standard for those on the left? <laughs> you couldn't possibly be putting, pointing that out. No, it's crazy because on the show, that's one of the things is no punches are pulled with the mockery and criticism of presidents, celebrities, whatever, particularly those on the right, on Saturday Night Live constantly. But for the first time, he's getting criticism by from someone with clout because of course the mainstream media just slurps all that up. But President Trump calls him out, says it's garbage, and it's an assault on his very life. It's basically like that kid in Sunday school that punches everybody. But as soon as someone turns to him to call him out, he hugs the teacher and begs for mercy. That's basically what it looks
0: like. <laughs> and, you know, at the same time as this fake death threat, there's another matter of fakery going on. Uh, I speak, of course, of the hoax committed by uh, Jesse uh, Smollett. Uh, rhymes with Gillette, by the way. I, I don't know what that means, but it just does. <laughs> and um, here we have somebody carrying out a, a hoax, and yet it's also kind of funny, Ben, to see uh, members on the left, such as Don Lemon, uh, still being apologists for somebody doing something which I think was extraordinarily heinous for a black man to do, which was to pretend he was the victim of um, a, you know an attempted lynching, that he had a, a noose thrown around his neck. It's something that's still staggering me. And it's interesting to see that he still has allies in his corner for perpetrating such a hoax.
3: Yeah, that's what I thought was so fascinating about this Alec Baldwin story. It wasn't the fact that a leftist has an ego that can't even be contained. That's We all know that. But what's interesting to me was the collusion that Trump was talking about is totally prevalent and a real thing. That's the reason you get these hoaxes that are so bizarre, you feel like you could get away with it. How could you get away with it unless people in the entertainment industry, specifically on the left, are used to the media on the left completely running interference praising them for everything, covering everything the way they want it to be covered, that they think they can just say this and get away with it. And that's kind of what happened with Alex Baldwin. He's like, wait, someone's calling me out with clout? That's never happened before. This feels like a threat on my life. And for Jesse Smollett, he had this insanely evil and stupid plan. To I mean, it it really is the dumbest thing ever. And the only way you could maybe rationalize that in your mind is to think, "Uh, I'll get away with everything anyway. The media is going to run interference. And this is the narrative that I want to play out. That's the only, and so entitled that you've gotten away with stupid stuff like this your whole life. That's the only way this would would work, and this really does show that collusion between entertainment and media.
0: And, and of course, I guess one last question, Ben. Uh, the Smollett uh, saga. That was really, as I understand it, about a salary dispute. He felt he wasn't getting paid enough. That he was going to get dropped from uh, the Empire Show, and that he needed something to raise his profile. Well, he raised it all right. Whether he'll ever have lunch in that town again is uh, another kettle of fish. But I'm just wondering. On the flip side, do you think maybe that Alec Baldwin is playing you and I and everybody else as fools? That this is just um, so much shtick on his uh, behalf. To get publicity, to get those clicks on the internet, to get more people to tune into Saturday Night Live and see him do his uh, Trump parody.
3: Well, it's the leftist currency of victimhood. That's what they desire yeah. most because that's what they're propping up. And he wants to be seen as a victim. And I, I heard the salary thing. I'm going to call bunk on that completely. He is an open activist. And this is what he's this is the narrative that he literally played out for all of us to hopefully see is what he promotes constantly. He was trying to live out his activism and promote himself. I don't believe the salary thing for a second. I just think he's that maniacal and stupid. But yeah, that's exactly what happened with Alec Baldwin as well. And it's so annoying and divisive for our country.
0: Well, uh, they don't call it the entertainment capital uh, for nothing, I guess. (laughs) No, yeah. uh, Anyways, thank you so much, my friend, for weighing in on this uh, latest nonsense out of uh, Lotus Land. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, fantastic. And folks, keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Tossing a chair from a high-rise condo onto a busy expressway is most certainly a really dumb and dangerous thing to do. Having it filmed and posted on social media is equally dumb. But aspiring dental hygienist Marcela Zoya did this very thing earlier this month anyway. Check out the video evidence. Of course, it didn't take all that long for law enforcement to track down the 19-year-old Marcela. Oh, if only all criminals videotaped their criminal acts and posted their mayhem on YouTube. Yet it is Marcella's walk of infamy after her court hearing the other day that really makes one scratch the old noggin for there was no garbage bag over the head routine here to conceal her identity. Oh, on the contrary. For there was Marcella, center stage, all glammed up and flashing a million-dollar smile, so befitting a future dental hygienist. Indeed, she was seemingly basking in the attention of what she likely deemed to be the paparazzi. It's as though she had lived all her life for this moment. The center of attention, her name and image going viral around the world. Oh, at long last, Marcella snagged that which is known as fame, Or infamy as the case may be, but hey, fame, infamy, what's the difference? As long as it's accompanied by millions of keyboard clicks the world over. Remember when you had to have some sort of tangible skill set in order to become a celebrity? Well, these days, thanks primarily to the internet, one can achieve that Andy Warhol allotted 15 minutes of fame simply by doing something utterly stupid. Thankfully, this chair-tossing incident didn't end in tragedy, which is a bit of a miracle, all things considered. But in any event, here's what some of you had to say about Marcella Zoya and her act of selfish idiocy, something that she apparently thinks is cool. Dave Yegg writes, she'll be on The Ellen Show next week. Um, I don't know if she's Ellen material, Dave, but I'd be surprised if Big Brother Canada or some other so-called reality TV show Hasn't given her a call yet. And in a worst case scenario, there's always the porn biz. Why am I mad? 49 writes, she would go to jail if someone had died. Stupid girl. I can't even imagine doing such a dangerous thing. Not even caring if someone dies. She should do a jail term for that. Well, yes, a few weeks in the slammer might take the bloom off the rose when it comes to her newfound fame or infamy as the case may be. But this is Canada. She'll skate. Marcelo de Pez Vital Brazil writes, I'm honestly ashamed to be from the same country as she. We Brazilians are not like that. In fact, we hate this kind of inconsequential person. Please deport her, Canada. You deserve better than this. Marcelo, let me say this. You are my kind of Brazilian. Noting that this young lady was studying to be a dental hygienist, Rusty Scraper writes, When I go to the dentist, I really want her to be the one sticking stainless steel, razor sharp implements in my mouth. Oh, please, Rusty, I scare easily. And Blue Whale 18 writes, she should have blamed two Nigerian bodybuilders. Hey now, Blue Whale 18, I think you're onto something here. Like how about creating a new reality TV show starring Marcella Zoya and Jussie Smollett. Let's call it Dumb and Dumber. The next generation. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.